0: The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 106.7.
1: You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Wednesday, May 31st, the final day of May. Crazy to think about June is literally tomorrow. And so I hope you're all doing well. This is the Wednesday edition of On The Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds it at the back. I'm Jacob Goins. Alongside me, as always, is Carter Bird, And for the first time in a while... Lance Dahl, joining us in studio to talk a little ball, host of Locked On Kentucky and contributor for Auburn Daily. Hey, hey, hello, Lance, how are you, man? prepping re-
2: the, the Kentucky hat. Yeah,
3: he normally does that when he comes in here. I have to support what's going on up in Lexington <laughs> right now. because Through good and bad. There you know, don't seem to be a lot of positive supporters <laughs> around that program
1: right now. <laughs> well, we're going to talk all about it. It's good to have you back, man. Good to talk to you. Uh, it's been too long to have you in the studio. We'll talk a little Kentucky, what's going on in Lexington with, with football. Got some new game times that were released just a little bit ago. Uh, We'll talk about that. We'll talk about what in the world the basketball team's going to look like uh, with, I don't even know if they're going to have five people to fill a roster. So we'll talk about that.
2: And then you got all these baseball teams going for regionals are going to be bunking up and four people in a dorm room.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there is lots of things to talk about with the host of Locked On Kentucky and so we'll talk about that then, get his thoughts on everything going on around Auburn including the new game times that were released for Auburn football for the first three games of the year. Uh, we'll talk about that with Lance Dahl. he joining us in the studio for all of our number one. Phone lines are open though while he's here. We'd love to hear from you, our wonderful listeners. 334 321 1390. That number again, 334 321 1390. Talking Kentucky, talking Auburn with Lance in hour number one. Then Austin Hannon, Alabama Central, who joins us on Wednesdays, will be on the phone lines in hour number two and get us caught up and ready for what Alabama has to face in their regional and if they get to a super regional in baseball. So that's what's coming up here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Let's jump into it, Lance. When it comes to, we'll start with baseball because they are hosting a regional. Um, One of the eight SEC squads hosting a regional uh, out of the 16. But it seems like every year there's always one, right? There's always one team that has scheduling conflicts when it comes to getting everybody to stay in a hotel at the regional and everybody to be comfortable at a regional. And Lexington and Kentucky just happen to be that school this year teams are staying in the dorm rooms on campus fans and families staying an hour outside of lexington man what's going on with
3: the regional up in lexington Well, a little too much is going on apparently i would say Uh, so like we were talking before we went on air you know there's a there's a music festival going on there are other softball and baseball tournaments happening right now uh in lexington it's a lot going on for the wildcats in, in their region right now and uh, sometimes, like you said, that's just kind of how it happens with the uh, with the baseball tournament. I want to ask you, though, because I've not gotten to get your thoughts on it. Are you like cool with like players and, and programs coming up and like staying in the dorms? Because to be honest with you, I don't really have that much of a problem with. it. I mean, how different is a dorm compared to a hotel? I mean, the mattresses are about a fourth of it, the size. Sure, <laughs> I mean, you
2: and, can find some dorms that are nothing like true a, a a hotel, hotel in a in a college town, I and they're
1: charging that. them what almost a hundred dollars a dorm, and it's a ninety-two shared, fifty uh, per room, yeah, something like night. that, in a a shared joint bathroom with another dorm room. Like, look, I know it's not the end of the world. We've all been in college, we've been there, but like when you're sleeping and preparing for a regional tournament and postseason play. If I was a player I just don't think I'd want to be sleeping in a dorm. You know what room. I want more than anything out
2: of out of this weekend? I want one instance of cuz it's the, it's I've seen the the diagram. It's those sweet bathrooms that two rooms on one side have have access to the uh, bathroom and two rooms on the other side. I want two separate teams to have the haves there and share <laughs>
1: yeah. I want
3: them to share a bathroom from different teams oh that would be so great imagine like a fight getting out that's,
1: that's what i'm saying or just in the bathroom just banging on the door all night long or, or whatever or just doing whatever you can to throw the other team off and so yeah it seems like uh, lexington was not fully prepared
3: to no. host a regional and I, I think my favorite part about this is the ncaa having to put out like an official statement on this like okay this is what you're going to do and also we've got three hotels in louisville if anybody wants so, so, like, if you want to make that drive good I, luck at the end of the day Uh, personally I don't have that much of a problem with it because I think it's somewhat of an advantage for Kentucky right I mean are they being forced to stay in these dorms too I don't think so So well yeah
2: well I mean uh, I'm assuming Auburn is sleeping in in its dorm rooms uh or in their beds for this week well yeah yeah which which is in their in their dorm room so I guess it's going to be an advantage for, for Kentucky for sure.
3: I mean, if you come into a hostile environment and you can't handle the mattresses, I mean, that's just kind of the situation you walked into. <laughs> hey man, whatever Kentucky has to do to
1: gain the edge, they planned that, that country concert on purpose. They did that. They were like, we're <laughs> hey, going to do this on purpose to where teams have to sleep in our dorm rooms. It makes it a
2: lot easier to find out where your opponents are playing and you've got students in the dorms for summer classes that can pull the fire alarm for you at 4am. There you yeah. go. There you go. Hey. Absolutely.
3: It is a uh, home court advantage for the wildcats <laughs> it's only like the third time they've hosted a regional right right in program history if something I'm not mistaken. like that it's it, not it, very it's, many it's one of very few uh, if i'm not mistaken and so uh i think they realized uh early on in the season hey this could be a special team and so they went ahead and scheduled that country well, that's what i'm saying it's, it's all it's all a big conspiracy theory here i don't think we
2: realize just how good but the the barometer series for me looking back is so Third weekend of the year, the three-game sweep of Indiana State that is also hosting a, host. yep. a regional. Um, but, yeah, this is this is fascinating to see what's happening in Lexington because a legitimate argument can be made that Campbell did not get a host position because of the setup of what their regional was going to be like. They were going to play 45 minutes away from campus mm-hmm. at a minor league park in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Um, is this better than that option?
1: Uh,
3: for Kentucky, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. uh, for the, the for the other three
1: teams, the only I answer I would expect from from Lance. No, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Kentucky, Kentucky's a great team, and they should they deserve to host. It's just. You got to plan a little bit better than that and, and if something's oh. got to go something's got to go you know what i mean And so uh, i don't know we'll we'll see how it goes kentucky the team themselves they're really good and they're playing well um they're one of like i said one of eight teams out of the sec that are hosting a regional i think they have a chance to make some noise definitely wanted to at least talk about the disaster that's going on with baseball in lexington we talked a little auburn basketball yesterday on the show lance because Janai broom uh coming back to auburn one of the biggest returnees for auburn we'll talk Auburn basketball in just a little bit but we were talking about Kentucky and what this team is going to look like if Oscar Sheboy is that hundred
3: percent is he coming back for another year it's not hundred uh, percent based on what I understand I'm is it
2: like today the day though so
3: today is the day so today is the deadline for players to withdraw from the NBA draft and I've got a couple different beat writers that I've had conversations with I talked to some of them today And they are, like, they're still leaning towards him coming back, but they haven't heard anything, and so they're a little bit concerned. So we'll see. He's announcing at 4, I believe. Well, Travis Branham saying, uh, breaking news one
2: minute ago, Oscar Shibwe expected to turn pro wow to, pitch a fit on
1: wow breaking news on the show I how about searched that his
2: name on twitter and it's the first thing that literally went up as i searched
1: well lance raw reactions if that is if that is the case yeah, if I, oscar shibwe goes pro and doesn't come back to
3: lexington i'm about to scream on a podcast <laughs> later this afternoon <laughs> not because shibwe's turning pro i actually for the past month I've been saying something that my listeners have been disagreeing with. I think Oscar Shibwe turning pro this season as opposed to next year is significantly better for his long-term prospects financially. Uh, I think that that's pretty straightforward, and uh, there are some people out there that disagree with that. But I I think that this is great for Shibwe. For Kentucky, though, the fact that you had not gone out and gotten anybody Anybody to put in this room is shameful. And you couldn't pick up Hunter Dickinson. You couldn't pick up Jamarian Sharp. You couldn't pick up Grant Nelson, who apparently is coming back from the NBA draft but is looking elsewhere. I have, I have been so mad about this. You couldn't pick up Dickinson because of the ghost of Sheboy exactly. Right? And there was there was a four star for Kansas who, from Kansas who just committed to TCU a little bit ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zubi Egeo for whatever his name is. He literally came out and said, "I'm not coming. I'm not even taking a visit to Kentucky." If Oscar Sheepway coming back is a possibility, which makes sense, which makes perfect sense. But Kentucky has hosed themselves wow. in this whole, in the entire process. John Calipari and this coaching staff. I I've been so patient last season with trying to get people to say like, okay, it's not the end of the world. Nobody needs to be fired. This is a failure with seven scholarship players on your roster. This is a a failure of an off season right now. This for is Kentucky. something
2: you see from last year LSU at this point in time. Mm. This is something
3: you never see from Kentucky. Yes,
2: exactly, where they fire the staff for for cause because of all of the NCAA Mm. violations, and the entire roster except for one guy left, either went pro, got in the portal, and all the incoming commits all decommitted and went elsewhere as well.
1: But this doesn't happen at Kentucky. It doesn't, especially under Cal, who has obviously had no issues getting talent in the door where do they go i mean what literally i made the joke coming on the air about they may not have enough guys to fill a roster but
3: that's a legitimate concern right now in lexington
2: but i'm really curious about depth
3: so they'll find a body to put in that room and this is what i was saying i've said i've said the same thing for like a month in a row now but kentucky doesn't like to run lengthy rotations Mm -hmm. cal has consistently been mid 200s nationally in bench minutes and bench experience uh in the past and he's not going to play whoever the backup center is a ton of minutes so whoever they get in there to pair alongside you and yenzo who at this point i'm just i'm literally thinking about this on the fly he's probably going to be your starting center because like you said i don't know if there's a starting center in the transfer portal right now for them to get
1: yeah and that's the conversation we were having you know, leading up to the decision of Jani Broome over the weekend to come back to Auburn, thank goodness, because – if Janai Broom had left Auburn, Dylan Cardwell was your starting center, and there was nobody to back him up and not a ton of confidence of guys in the portal to go after that would play legitimate minutes in the SEC. And yeah. so the the situation we thought Auburn might be in,
3: Kentucky's 100% in with the breaking news, Oscar Sheboy going pro. Yeah, and the other problem here is that Kentucky also needs another player to return to their roster, Antonio Reeves, who was a really good three-point shooter, averaged over 14 a game for them last year. They need him on this roster, not because he's an extra depth piece, but because it's experience. You have five freshmen coming in. You didn't think, hey, let's go out and get a body through the transfer portal that's been in college basketball for a little while just to offset the fact that these kids are coming in 18 years old, getting paid all this money. You don't think you need an extra leader? That's the Calipari
1: way, Lance. That's the Calipari mojo.
3: You
2: can hear the... the the panic <laughs> in, in his voice over there. <laughs> because it is it is apparent there is a certain tone that is being hit that, that i don't think i've ever heard out of it. no and it so.
1: feeds into what we talked about the last time we brought you on i believe during basketball season yes. was are kentucky fans tired of john calipari this could be a moment and this could be a season where it all truly crumbles and falls
2: are apart actively in lexington looking for loopholes in the contract to fire him for cause right now
3: man i've not heard anything about that but i sure do i sure <laughs> do hope somebody's doing man. something because this is This is such a disappointment for a fan base that expects its team to compete for a national championship year in and year out. This is an episode I did recently where I came out and said, I don't think Kentucky will win a national title this upcoming year. Because you look at what history says, over the past decade, the number 1 recruiting class in the nation, only one time has that team gone on to win the national title, I believe it was like 2014 Duke. Wow. Um, And you go look back at the history, and more recently, like the past 7 or 8 years, most likely it's a round of 32 exit for those teams that bring in a ton of freshman talent. So, for Kentucky right now, I think that the way Calipari wants to build his programs moving forward... Is going to continue to result in failure in the postseason, where the fan base wants them to succeed. Mm-hmm. They don't care about the the regular season accolades. They don't care about Oscar Shibe winning National Player of the Year. They want to see this team win in March. That's what Shibe wanted. Shibe wanted to see this past season. They didn't get it, and now they have five freshmen coming in who I think are going to be really good. By the way, I think it's going to be a very highly ra- ra- rated for sure. Three of them I think are going to be studs for sure. You need depth. Because last year's team had injuries, and you had to start your what was your tweener two and three at your point guard spot for the final two or three games of the regular season because you didn't have the bodies in the room. Yeah. And they didn't get anyone, guys, anyone in the transfer (laughs) portal. So bad, man. It felt like for
2: the last couple years, there was a little bit of a shift in Cal's talent acquisition. It felt Mm. like it was starting to become a little more transfer heavy. And then of course we're sitting here at the beginning of June and he's gone and got
3: nobody. Nobody. You it, you whiffed on every prospect that you reached out to and either talked to or offered. I wonder with Shibway. <laughs> I wonder with Shibway if it was
1: truly a coin flip no, like the mindset of John Calipari and the coaching staff of if they truly did not know what Oscar Shibway was going to do, because again, breaking news, he uh, is expected to go pro and not come back to Kentucky. Not going and getting the likes of Hunter Dickinson, one of the best transfer portal players to enter this year, not getting him, not even being in the running because of the threat of Shebway being there. I want to know
3: if John Calipari and this coaching staff, if they truly were blindsided by him going pro. I think that there had to have been an expectation in that co- uh, for that coaching staff for, for Shebway to come back. And what I was continuing to say, I've been saying this since he entered the draft, that Kentucky needs to have a fallback guy. And somebody asked me a question recently about like football recruiting, like why wouldn't you go after like all these five-star players? I'm like, well, if you go after all, this was similar to what happened with Brian Harson, right? You're going after all these big-time talents, but at the end of the day, you don't land them because you aren't capable of landing them, and then you look around and you're like. Oh, we didn't recruit any of the three or four star, some semi four star guys. We don't have anybody in this room. There's
2: nobody here. Brian Harson
3: went after three stars and swung it's, and missed. And had he, no he, plan. he
2: didn't go after the five stars. He didn't know
3: where the five stars lived. Yeah, <laughs> that's a hundred percent true. Yeah, Kentucky's in a really bad spot right now because they need they needed to pick up these guys a month ago. Yeah, they to, did to help this and this is bad <laughs> yeah
1: it, it's gonna be it no it's gonna good. be rough rough offseason is Lance Lance that is in, 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 in struggle mode dropped
2: more perfectly for the start of our show this to get sucks. this instant reaction look our planning is just perfect that's all there is to it
1: we plan this a hundred percent and we nailed it Lance Dahl host of Locked On Kentucky joining us for all of our number one with the breaking news of Oscar Shibwe who was going to be one of the biggest returning names in SEC basketball is expected to go pro we'll talk some football when we get back because we got some game times for Kentucky what that team can look like before we start talking Auburn Lance Dahl host of Locked on Kentucky and contributor for Auburn Daily joining us in studio for hour number one
0: you are on the line on ESPN 1067 online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app
1: All right, back inside the studio here at ESPN 106.7, and uh, we just can't get over our planning. It's just so perfect. We have Lance Dahl, host of Locked On Kentucky and contributor for Auburn Daily in the studio, and we have breaking news in our first segment of Oscar Shibway. All we need is, what, like a three fifteen Javon Quinterly to the the portal before Austin (laughs) Hannan's That's right. That's right. That's all we need, and our show will be perfectly timed for today. Uh, No, Oscar Shibway expected to go pro and not come back to Lexington. Uh, Lance, has uh cried during the break but he's okay he's wiped the tears away everything is okay uh, until basketball season when kentucky is like seventh in the sec they had to pull me out of the corner of the room i I don't want to see yeah the mic wouldn't reach that far (laughs) but with kentucky we talked some kentucky baseball and the um the disaster that they are hosting right now basketball which just got worse and football which should be on the upswing we just got some game times released kentucky's first three games for football Nothing crazy. Should be a should be a three and start, I would think, for Kentucky. And so as we are less than a hundred days away from kickoff, Lance, what's the what's the feeling in Lexington and with Kentucky fans on your show of Locked On Kentucky? How are they feeling coming into
3: football season this that year? This could be the sleeper team in the SEC this upcoming season. Uh oh, wow. people Uh-oh. are excited about Kentucky football, man. I did. This is so funny that we're talking about all of this because I've literally been doing episodes about everything that we're talking about like very recently. So with Kentucky football, I had somebody ask me recently, like, what's holding back Kentucky football this season? Like, give me some reasons to be excited about it. I'm like, other well, than Georgia. Other than Georgia, exactly, and so that's what I said. I'm like, well, other than the fact that you have to play Georgia midway through the season, you look at what this team is compared to a season ago, and – I think the issues that this team had are going to be solved. Liam Cohen's back as offensive coordinator, uh, a lot more competent, I would say, than Rich Scangarello when it comes to piloting an SEC offense because he proved he could do it at Kentucky uh, two, two years ago. Just You've, as long as the the receivers get set on the goal line when when trying to win games, that would be that would be crucial for, <laughs> for Kentucky to to end up winning games. You've got a quarterback in your room now that I think is is going to be really good uh, in the SEC this season. I don't think a lot of people understand just how good Devin Lee was at NC State. And when you watch NC State operate, I've been recently watching some of his games. Like most recently, I watched like uh, NC State Clemson from like 2021, just like to see, okay, how did, what did he do in that game? First of all, the offensive line, not good in that game. So Kentucky's got something similar there going on with the Wolf Pack. But uh, he was really just... I think it was the timing, and it was like the dink and dunk offense that I think Liam Cohen is going to really like from from Devin Leary. You've got two receivers on the outside that can stretch the field, like you've got two burners in Dane Key and Barry and Brown. But I do think Kentucky's going to operate in that intermediate range with Devin Leary this season. They're going to be able to move the ball and kind of do what they want on that side of the on that side of the football. And I'm not saying they're going to be elite. I think they can get very close to it with the pieces that they picked up through the transfer portal. But, man, this offense is going to be really exciting. So we're saying this offense, at times it felt it
2: has felt like in recent years the Kentucky offense has been, hey, we've got a really good running back yep. and we've got Lynn Bowden at quarterback, a, a receiver playing quarterback, or we've got Wandale Robinson, and we're just going to throw the ball out there and let him figure everything else out. Because it's basically how that Kentucky team beat Florida that one year. Yep. Florida outgained him by like two hundred some yards, and because of there was a what there was a blocked field goal return for a touchdown yes. and a one screen pass taking like 50 60 yards for a touchdown yep. that was the
3: difference in that game that was the, that was the move yeah and kentucky i mean during those years you might have s- slapped another american flag sticker on their helmet cuz they were essentially an option team i mean they were essentially <laughs> uh, an academy out there just running the football a- at will and that's kind of what mark stoop has built this pro- stoops has built this program on right it's establishing things in the trenches it's how you should do things in the sec but Liam Cohen, I think, came in in 2021 and really helped Kentucky kind of revitalize that passing attack. And I think Kentucky's run game, this is also something I've talked about recently. Kentucky's run game is going to be much better than what it was last year partially because the offensive line pickups I believe they got a kid from USC one from Ohio State if I'm not mistaken as well they've got some older guys coming back in that room and then Ray Davis transfer from Vanderbilt some people may not be excited about running backs from Vanderbilt but when you got a guy that ran for over a thousand yards last year and torched the Wildcats in a a victory that the Commodores got uh, last season I think you got to be excited about that the running back room is deep um, I think the receiver room is – I don't necessarily know if it is deep, but you've got two really good studs. you got a great quarterback, a better offensive line, a better O.C., that's a good offense. It's going to be a good offense. Now, the defense is where we start to have some That's concerns. where
1: I was going next. What's the defensive side of the football like for Kentucky in a game of college football that is
3: all about how many points you can score? D-line, I think, is going to be better than it was last year, but I don't know by how much you've got. Ke- uh, I believe it's Keyshawn Silver, five-star defensive lineman from North Carolina, coming in, a transfer portal uh, addition there. And the linebacker room, I mean, you've got J.J. Weaver back. You lost some really good pieces uh, in that room. It's the second and third levels of this defense that I'm concerned about, but also I think it kind of offsets itself because it's not like Kentucky lost a ton of depth or experience. They just lost a couple of different pieces that were really high in talent that have been there quite some time. And Brad White, defensive coordinator, it's his fourth season. I think he's going to be able to kind of do what he wants on that side of the ball and at least get it solid, if not good, if everything pans out. So you've got a team that has established themselves, I think, on paper – both sides of the line of scrimmage I think heading into this season and then it comes down to the schedule and that's where I've been kind of going back and forth with it because you've got some really tough games with some improved teams in the SEC East oh and then you play Alabama in November I mean that's (laughs) it's just the icing on the cake there but that game is in Lexington that game is in Lexington and I'm just saying if Bama is not if Bama plays like they did last year Kentucky can win that game Okay. Absolutely, can win. Hey, I, hey, I can get behind that. They can. Yes, Alabama they can. This
2: Alabama team is going to be worse than the Alabama team two years ago because Bryce Young's not on the roster. Mm. And if Brian Harson can take Alabama to four <laughs> overtimes <and> at home, so can happen. With TJ, T.J. Kentucky.
1: T.J. <laughs> T.J. Finley
2: at on one leg. On one leg. Oh, oh,
1: quit. You're bringing up horrible memories. <laughs> the entire
2: memories. fourth quarter, I just was like, hey, if he can't put pressure on his foot and can't throw the ball anyway, put Demetrius Davis in and run the read option the rest of the game.
3: Yeah. And they had decided that no quarterbacks on that roster existed outside of TJ Finley. That's right. Night, which is a shame. But. You like, like I remember looking back at that game and just seeing like the drive that Auburn scored uh, the touchdown where it's just like you had a comeback route to Robertson that was like just such a like a ridiculous catch and then you had the the screen pass to Kobe. I'm like and that will be the only time they score all game. Yep, and that was and that was 100 percent right. Well, Kentucky opening up with Ball State,
1: Eastern Kentucky, and Akron should be a three and start yep. for the Wildcats in football. But when we come back, we'll talk all things Auburn football with Lance Dawk, contributor for Auburn Daily.
0: Jacob Goins and Carter Byrd on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader.
1: All right, 30 minutes into our number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. i Jacob Goins. With me is Carter Bird and Lance Dahl joining us in studio for our number one. Lance, plug all your stuff, man. I know you got a lot going on. Let everybody know where they can find you before we start talking some Auburn football.
3: Yeah, absolutely. If you want to go check me out on Twitter, at Lance Dahl underscore. You can check out the Locked On Kentucky podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, if you hate the Wildcats and you want to hear somebody melt down later today, you can check out an episode where I will be very upset about Oscar Sheepway. And if you want to go check me out over at AuburnDaily.com, I write over there as well. All yeah,
2: right, I have one very kind of a lot more serious question, and I have one that's just a whole lot of fun about Kentucky basketball. But I'm going to start okay. with a more serious one. You talked about the offensive line getting better Mm -hmm. coming into this year by picking up transfers from Ohio State. uh, You said USC, and I think Alabama was the other one that we found during the break. Um, By landing those guys, is this the best that that offensive line room is going to have been since John Schlarman – The really good, really high-level offensive line coach at Kentucky that died in 2018. Since his guys really cycled out of the program,
3: I think we've got a really good chance to see that. And uh, it's been a few years, like you said. And even in 2021, whenever the Wildcats were running things uh, with Will Levis and Chris Rodriguez, I mean, that offensive line still was not great. I mean, we've since since his passing and since Kentucky has tried to kind of revitalize things in that group, we've seen a slow decline. And like you said. You've got these three guys coming in, and then also you've got a three-star uh, offensive tackle, if I'm not mistaken, uh, from Northern Illinois, Marquise Cox. Uh, Marquez, Cox. there you go. So, that, so you've got four very, different transfer, very similar to Auburn, very going similar. out and getting
2: four guys to to reinforce an offensive line room that had not been up to standard recently. it had been a lot longer for Auburn. It's been, I think, you can legitimately, legitimately make the argument the offensive line room has not been good. Mm. At Auburn since twenty fourteen? Fourteen. Yeah, twenty 2014, thirteen. Twenty thirteen for sure. I was gonna yeah. say a fourteen or thirteen.
3: I, I gotta assume. You can that make 14, the
2: argument fourteen. You, fourteen you had some remnants. Seventeen was okay. It's good enough. But when Dagum Hugh Freeze goes and lands nine offensive linemen and you landed what, eight in the last three cycles? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense that this year it's going to be a lot better. I think
3: the biggest thing for Kentucky to see if whether or not there's improvement this season is in the running game. I know that a lot of people Mm -hmm. are going to make a big deal about the sacks, but I think that comes with the fact that you had to throw the ball that much because of the fact that your running game sucked. And I I, I want to be clear, the offensive line was very bad in pass pro and run blocking last season. But last in the SEC in yards per game, you need to see that improvement. (laughs) You need to see that step up considering your entire identity underneath your head coach has been – we're going we're gonna to play smash mouth football, and that's going to kind of be how we grind it out. So Kentucky, yeah, and yeah you, absolutely. And you had
2: a running back that coming into the year, mm-hmm. a lot of people said was the best back in the SEC.
3: And he was good whenever he was on the field. Of course, he couldn't stay on it because of things that happened during the off season. I believe he was out first four games of the season. Might have mm-hmm. been three. I don't know. But anyway, yes, this has a chance to be the best, run, uh, the best offensive line we've seen in half a decade. Carter, you had one more before we get to Auburn.
2: This one's fun. Um John Calipari Jimbo Fisher of basketball, oh. less with
1: more. That's Carter's favorite comparison. And I, it's right. They are That's the such same a good coach. They are the
2: same coach.
1: It's right. They're
2: they the they do they, they take the most talent and do the least with it.
3: Both have archaic offenses. They, <laughs> both,
2: they both have that one like national championship that they kind of hang
3: their hat on. They both uh, you know don't know they don't know how to call a game. I'm going to be honest with you. Last year, there were so many. I remember going to the Kentucky-Michigan State game and seeing Tom Izzo walk up and down Kentucky in terms of exit. It was embarrassing what he did to that team. And it's just been talent that's kind of... Wow, this is a really good comparison. It's been talent that's kind of carried him forward uh, throughout these past several years, and now that we've started to see him struggle getting talent, we've started to see a little bit of a decline.
1: His his national championship, John Calipari, was ten
3: years ago. The only thing I'll say, uh, and he's been to, in Kentucky this whole time. To wrap up Kentucky stuff is they just added a staffer who spent twenty years plus in the NBA, ten years plus in college, John Welsh. <laughs> who Mm -hmm. has spent a long time around the game studying offenses, specifically like dribble drives type of stuff. And he's going to be, according to Cal, in in the press release that they said, or that Kentucky put out, uh, Cal said that he's going to be like the main structural, he's going to be the one driving the offense. Mm -hmm. He's going to be the one calling the plays, essentially, for Kentucky before they get into the game. And he's going to be a big-time scout.
2: You're Bobby
3: Petrino, so he is your. <laughs> oh my God! That's your <laughs> right. I, let's go. Yes. let's check up because John Jimbo
2: Fisher at- said, "Hmm, last year didn't go according to plan. We went five and seven. You know what's gonna fix it? I've I've compared it, Lance. To uh, we've all seen the Flex Seal ad where the, the, there's the giant hole and the water's just flowing out." Jimbo Fisher took Bobby Petrino and just slapped that on
3: the hole in the side of the uh, ship. Guys, I'm not gonna lie. I just started to Google John Welch motorcycle accident, and there is actually an autofill for that. I'm not gonna look at it. I just want Oh you to no, know that that's exists, that's
1: so. a bad idea. Well, well, <laughs> yes. When it comes to John Calipari, the fact that his national championship was over 10 years ago is something that really blows my mind. We're gonna talk some Auburn football coming up in just a minute, but want to get to the phone lines 334-321-1390. three two one thirteen ninety. We'd love Love to hear from you, our wonderful listeners, and Ed, you're on the line. Welcome in.
4: Hey, guys. Uh, yeah, speaking about uh, Jimbo, and I've never been a fan. And you look at what okay. Mike Norvell has done at Florida State, you know, Florida State is just a great place to go to school. It's, it, you know, they've got a good situation, so I, I don't have any faith in, Jim, in Jimbo, I, you know. But I, I was just gonna. As far as like the SEC meetings and everything, and as mm-hmm. far as the schedule, uh, yeah, I thought everything everybody was pretty happy with the uh, you know three permanents except one coach. So, so who do you think runs the SEC?
1: Well, he definitely has a say. There's no doubt about it. He he his voice is heard when it I comes it's, to it's things a lot that happen teams. around the conference.
2: A lot more teams are have been on the eight game. Schedule kind of train, they just haven't been out on Main Street with it. They've it's been quiet behind the scenes because look, in a nine-game SEC schedule in the new SEC, Vanderbilt's never going to a bowl game.
4: But he didn't (laughs) want it. He didn't. He didn't want it because he didn't want to have to play Auburn, LSU, and Tennessee, which would have
2: been crazy if he drew all three. That was going to be nuts. What? I, I think that would have been crazy and un, if we're talking about just fairness across the SEC and your three permanent opponents, drawing no, those would be unfair.
4: What other people, no, you're man, you are, you are nuts. What type I, of Alabama nut? Could be proud to play any. They asked uh, Brian Kelly if he'd like to play Alabama every year. He said absolutely. Uh, you look at who Auburn would have. It would be comparable as far as where the program is and everything else. Yeah, I mean, get real. I mean, really.
2: They're going to make it fair, Ed. They're going to make it fair. That's it's. De- they're going to design it to be fair. They're not going to stack the top half of the conference against each other and and ruin their chances to make a playoff. No,
4: no they're not. They're going to bow down to what Nick Saban asked them to do. That's what they're going to do. Care,
1: appreciate the call, Ed. We appreciate you calling in talking about the SEC oh. schedule. But uh, look, Saban has a say in what happens, but they're not just going to let him run all over them. I mean, they don't—they don't call Saban as much as Auburn fans. Some Auburn fans would like Saban to think runs that this
2: conference anymore. I think the guy in Athens does.
1: Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, look, Nick Saban has been around this conference for a long time. He has, and he's got a lot of success here. He's done a lot of things. He's a very powerful man in the SEC. He has been for a long time and his influence and his word has meaning it does but 100%. Greg Sankey does not when the decision is about to be made he doesn't call Tuscaloosa and say hey can I talk to coach Saban before we vote on this like yes. his his word has influence and it has impact there's yeah. no doubt but when it comes to this, Greg Sankey, I think, is one of the best in the business. When it comes to being his own guy and doing what it takes to make the SEC better now
3: and long term. I think what we need to do instead of relying on these 80s or coaches or even Greg Sankey, I think we should just ask ChatGPT. I actually did that yesterday, and it realigned the conference and it put Ole Miss in the SEC East and it kicked Texas A&M out of the league.
1: So kicked so, them
3: out of the league. Yeah, it just said they're gone. That's fantastic.
2: Friend of our uh, of of the program, uh, Lindsey Crosby, and then. Obviously, yeah. Ben Taylor of um, Auburn up a like this morning uh, on one of our sister stations here. They had their their debate that we we aired some audio about mm-hmm. about what ten most overrated players in Major League Baseball since two thousand. Mm. Chat GPT GPT changes the answer every time when you ask it yep. slightly,
3: and so and so I actually AI is a fraud. I ended up I ended <laughs> up what asking it about the divisions. And it split them and kept everything the same except for putting Ole Miss in the East, put Texas and Oklahoma in the West, kicked Texas A&M out, and I pointed out to him like the divisions are uneven, and it was like, okay, I'll add Louisville in. It literally was just like Louisville, that'll be your <laughs> that'll be your replacement. Congratulations, it can be the cross division rival with Kentucky. That what it wants to do is keep the eight game schedule and do what we, what the SEC has done, which you has you have one rotating or two rotating opponents from the opposing. A division mm-hmm. and then you have one permanent and then you play everybody else in your division which actually now that i'm thinking which about
2: it, you're you're gonna you're not gonna see some schools in the other division for 15 a, years oh yeah
3: very long time. well i think
1: eventually divisions won't even be a thing i yes, mean it'll just yeah. be a massive conference I, so
2: i i agree with that i mean if you go to the three and six model divisions are gone i think there's a decent shot that that happens in the one and seven model as well I think we're gonna move closer to that one and seven model because you have so many teams that like don't want to say it out loud, but Vanderbilt, Missouri, like they want to go to bowl games, right? Well, and that's
3: what we talked about yesterday. <laughs> ChatGPT GPT doesn't care about that because it put uh, their permanent cross-rival opponent as Oklahoma, uh, so they only have a good time. Also, I asked it why it left a and m out and who else it would replace it with besides Louisville. It in order. West Virginia, Clemson, UCF; those were the three teams that it came. <laughs> so I'd think so, I'd rather keep a And M. I if, would too.
2: If we're gonna talk a, an expansion conversation, I think this is a totally different conversation. I think UNC brings more to the table than an FSU and potentially a Clemson I for, for
1: all sports. Yeah, a, and the well, well, TV no, no. in TV markets exactly. as well.
2: Exactly. You you put your network in an entirely new state that you're not in in their cable package, which the irony there is the network is stationed in that state, and Mm -hmm. yet that state, like if you go to a sports bar, unless they pay extra, they don't have the SEC network even though you can be sitting at a sports bar in Charlotte,
1: a stone's throw away from the actual SEC network, and still not have it. How about that, huh? Well, the scheduling is a massive conversation, and I saw an update when we were on the air here in this first hour where they are not expected to come to a conclusion at the sec spring meetings and so it what, will three years uh at least well they had this debate last year it could come up with a decision and they were expected to come to a result this week and it doesn't look like that's the case maybe, maybe something will change maybe but we
3: should just make chad gpt make the decision for us because it be a lot easier we can't do it
1: and then just just keep hitting refresh until it comes up with something with that looks that, halfway that,
3: decent yeah okay look we're not playing rutgers in the sec guys J- refresh it again <laughs> just okay hit there we go auburn george Georgia cross division. Okay, fine, perfect. If, we'll go with that. If
2: divisions are going to stay, though, get it right. Have mm-hmm. Missouri go to the West. Have Auburn and Alabama go to the
1: East. That would be interesting. I would like, uh, that would especially be with Texas Oklahoma coming, mean, you'd have to move people over.
3: I yep. I'm not saying that y'all don't, but am I the only person that like wants to preserve the Auburn LSU rivalry? Like, I, I want that. I want to. Keep it's not.
1: That.
2: It's not going to happen. That's the thing. That's, that's the issue. It's. I mean, it, you're you're going to play. Every other year, mm-hmm. and you're going to play at home once every four years. But there, I don't see a scenario where even in a three and six model, Auburn draws Alabama and Georgia, which will take precedence over over LSU and then LSU. Because I mean, at a certain point, you're going to create this this human centipede of 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 teams at the top of the conference. They're all eat, eating each other. And then the bottom of the conference is all going to play each other.
1: Yeah.
3: This could be like h- half a show, the question I'm about to ask. But and we've probably talked about this before. Are you all okay with Texas and Oklahoma moving to the SEC? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So you're okay with it changing the schedule up? Like yeah. Just not seeing sure. I'll, because I'm also, tired of playing the same teams every year. I just okay.
2: can't wait for for Oklahoma and their fans that went to all those college football playoffs and they won the Big Twelve so many times. I just can't wait for them to be stuck in a seven and five, eight and four <laughs> rut for a decade. Because <laughs> it's gonna
3: happen. Yeah. It's gonna happen. Uh, Texas, I'm not sure about. I think I think they'll be able to because of their resources. They, they be gotta able to figure it well, out. Well, heck,
2: about it. We've said that for. Well, ever since Matt Brown left, yeah. well, I think it'll be ever re- since Cole McCoy say, okay, let me <laughs> lost in the national championship because he got hurt
3: because he couldn't throw under the tunnel. I think it'll be more competitive product that Agreed. Texas puts out year in and year out because they'll play consistent teams week in and week out. Well, they're mm-hmm. they're
2: winning the Big Twelve this year. I've made that yeah. that call. That's already. very true. Right.
1: That's very true. Well, we got to get to our final break. We'll wrap it up with Lance Daw, host of Locked On Kentucky and contributor for Auburn Daily. When we come back here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line.
0: the line on espn 1067 call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 all
1: right wrapping up our number one we got lance Dahl in the studio we have terry on the phone lines has a quick question for mr
3: lance Dahl. terry good to hear from you man hey
4: guys Lance, did I hear you correctly say you were for the Auburn-LSU rivalry? Because I am too.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I really enjoy that game, and I have I was combing through the archives of it a few days ago, and I, I really do. Like like Carter said, there's there's no way to like preserve all three of Auburn's biggest rivalries, like Georgia, Bama, LSU, but I do really love that game, yeah.
4: And Lance, you could make an argument that that game just about as wacko as the Alabama game.
3: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, oh, at times yeah. it has been just as, if not more, chaotic.
4: Yeah, Auburn appreciate yeah, it, Terry. Terry. Good to hear
3: from you, man.
2: Six Daniel Carlson field goals one time. I literally that
3: game. I love that game. It's one of my favorite games I've ever been to. I remember, mm-hmm. I remember
2: being in the student section, just yelling my head off for what felt like five seconds <laughs> that the clock's on double zero and just nobody in the stadium noticed. Yeah. LSU had a whole walk-off celebration. I knew it as soon as it happened. And so, from from my time over at the Auburn Sports Network, I know that uh, they they got to go tour the the SEC replay like facility and everything. The time on the actual clock for the start of the play, the, the game clock, was like the sixth thing that they looked at on the on the oh, re- review because they Jeez. had to look at uh, was every was everybody on the line of scrimmage where they needed to be. Uh, was everybody set? Was was it a catch in bounds? was the quarterback past the the line of scrimmage. They reviewed it for 15 minutes before they ever
1: got to Hey, hey wait a minute. Yeah. Was there any time
2: <laughs> on the clock when the ball snapped?
1: Did they get that playoff? That would be a great start. Like maybe we should see if the play actually counted before yeah. we look at all of that stuff. But no, the Auburn LSU rivalry, it's a lot of fun. It's just If there's one to drop, I think it would be that one for me personally. And I think Auburn, with just the one game, it's obviously going to be the Alabama game. And outside of that, I just want, for Auburn and for other SEC teams as well, I just want new games. I mm. want new matchups. I want Auburn to play Florida more than once every seven years. Yeah. I want Auburn to play South yeah. Carolina. Right? I want different games and different schedules every year. In In a, South Carolina Yeah, me. for
2: some reason, Auburn cannot beat South Carolina which is even fair. when they're really bad.
3: Which is very uh, fair. Unless
2: Cam Newton and like Nick Marshall are on campus. In which case. Um, yeah. They got a game. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I agree. In a nine-game schedule, you're going to get Auburn. You're probably going to get Georgia. And if that's the situation and you draw one and two in the conference, you better draw Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. You better draw Vanderbilt as the third option. Otherwise, I'm upset.
3: For Kentucky, what would you want, Lance? Oh, gosh. Uh, I would want Tennessee, Florida, and I don't think you could give Kentucky, Georgia in that scenario. I'll say South Carolina or Mississippi State. That's fair. Hmm. I think that's fair. I haven't
2: thought about that. I, I thought about Tennessee and Florida and South Carolina. That's... That's interesting. I think, think that would be Kentucky. Florida games recently feel like they've been kind of squirrely
3: A little, a little too serious for what the history <laughs> of that the, those two, uh those two. For uh, what uh, the record is in that, is in yeah, that from, rivalry? Yeah, dude. I, I'm as a Kentucky fan. I'm pleased. That's probably the only thing I'll be happy about today. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> they, very fair.
2: They almost Kentucky almost beat them a few years ago, where like what the backup quarterback transfer from Troy was in the game or something because of injuries and was having, like, the second half of his life and then, like, I think threw a pick late or fumbled mm-hmm. late, and, yep. and it cost him. Yeah, yeah. and there was that there was game crazy games. where
3: we did not cover a wide receiver twice. Yeah. That was good times. That's Maybe tough. I won't be happy today. Yeah, that's <laughs>
1: tough. No, today just was not your day. But we we appreciate you coming in. We had all sorts of stuff to talk about with Lance Dahl, host of the Locked on Kentucky podcast, contributor for Auburn Daily. Uh, we had breaking news with o- Oscar Shibwe, expected to go pro. Uh, Lance's dreams have been crushed for 2023 2024 for basketball Uh, football should be in a good spot baseball coming up this weekend hosting a regional and that's been a debacle itself but
3: Lance let everybody know really quick where they can keep up with everything you got going on man you can check out the Locked On Kentucky podcast wherever you get your podcast you can also subscribe to it on YouTube at Lance Dahl underscore on Twitter at Locked On UK on Twitter as well if you want to check me out auburndaily.com as well how
2: worried are we about the Wildcats in the Lexington Regional this weekend against two-seed West Virginia, three-seed Indiana, who Auburn saw to start the season, and four-seed Ball State.
3: A little bit worried. I'm going to be completely honest with you, Carter. I don't really follow Kentucky baseball because the people that listen to my show don't want to hear about anything other That's than fair. Base- or basketball. Rather, I get that. That's the
1: Kentucky fan base. But they're excited about football, and they should be. We'll have you on before
3: football season, man. Good to have you back. Yes, sir. Appreciate you having me on.
1: That is Lance Dahl, host of the Locked On Kentucky podcast and contributor for Auburn Daily, coming up in hour two- The first three games for Auburn football. We've got game times. We'll talk about it coming up in hour number two.
0: The following is an Auburn Network production.
1: You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway in hour number two here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins. He is Carter Bird, and we convinced Lance Dahl to sit with us for another 30 minutes here in hour number two, host of the Locked On Kentucky podcast and contributor. with this time. Yeah, that's right. He just wants to talk more Kentucky. That's what what happens. No,
2: no, this is, he doesn't want to go home and record his Kentucky <laughs> show
1: about Oscar G. Wood. So he wants is, to talk Auburn football. <laughs> that's what he wants to do. This is
3: not a bit that's the majority of their
1: <laughs> <laughs> well look we've been on it today we had Lance Dahl he joined us in the first hour in our very first segment of the day we had breaking news about Kentucky basketball a topic we talked about yesterday Oscar Shiboy expected to go pro not come back to Kentucky uh, we talked a lot about that in the first hour uh, the disaster that is Kentucky baseball with the regional they're trying to host and, and failing to do so and then some Auburn football as well so and if you missed any of that in our number one be sure to go and catch up with the podcast you know where to find it espnau.com or just go and search on the line wherever you get your podcasts
2: lance i've got i've got some hope for you potentially hit me there's a name starting to circulate a little bit there's some buzz that zach edie may come back to college
3: and Ooh, may hop in, the port. Ooh. in which case we Kentucky can, would be the number one place because it has to be. And we can lose to a 16 seed.
0: <laughs>
3: Bring it on, Zach. That would be so good though for, for D- Kentucky, Kentucky desperately needs it. That would be so something I've continued to preach about Kentucky with Oscar Sheebway is that one of the reasons he may not want to come back because it may hurt his draft stock is the mouths to feed on this team despite not having depth. I mean all five of these guys, even the four-star, the lone four-star averaged like 30 a game in his junior season, mm. Reed Shepard. Wow. I mean all these dudes are bucket getters. They're going to be getting the basketball and Shewway may get left behind at times. And that's the problem that I that I find when you bring in
1: like Kentucky has over the years, mm-hmm. when you bring in so many high-level freshmen Sometimes you get individualistic basketball. Like it's just how it just, you get individual basketball where one guy is trying to do it all. Compared to trying to play as a team, and it takes some time for freshmen like that to gel, which is why you've seen over the past couple of years you've seen Kentucky struggle when it comes to tournament time. Zach Eady would be
3: such a good piece for the team, though. He to, would to pair with on Enzo, who I think is going to be a defensive stud. Yeah, I think he's going to be very good. Now, offensively, we have some some talks about what he uh, could be, but yeah, uh, d- defensively, Kentucky needs better rim protectors. Getting a seven foot four kid in there would be would be a okay <laughs> You're,
2: are you saying that a six foot seven center as strong as he is and as great at rebounding as he is is not a good rim prote- protector generally
3: guys i don't know if this is a hot take or not but <laughs> if you put a guy that's like listed at six foot seven at center and expect him to just protect everything with a relatively low defensive iq I hate to say it just the way it is he's not going to produce results that you want it's just not going to happen and it, it's something that we battled last year, my fan base and I, fan base so to speak, like the two people that listen to me. It's 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 the conversations that I was having last year. I'm like, guys, I don't think she weighs that good on defense. Everybody's like, how dare you say anything about our king? And then this season, I was like, guys, I don't think she weighs that good on defense. Everybody's like, bench him, part <laughs> him at stake. It's over. Like, yeah, it, it was not not a wise idea to not have anybody over six foot nine, yeah. quote unquote, on well, the roster. Well, well,
1: maybe Kentucky will get blessed with Zach Eady in the basketball world, and maybe you won't have to go. And record multiple sad episodes in a row for Lot Kentucky. That's right. That's right. Well, let's transition a little bit. Talk some Auburn football because mm-hmm. with the spring meetings going on uh, around the SEC, we have some game times. And this is when it starts to get exciting, right? We're less than a hundred days out from kickoff of college football for Auburn. We have our first three game times of the year. One of them Auburn fans are not going to love, but you can kind of understand why it is. With the first three games for Auburn this year, we know that look Auburn should, they should be 3 and0 in this schedule guys. they should. They should start 3 and0 if everything goes right, you have UMass, you have Cal, and then you have Sanford and UMass is a 230 game. you're on ESPN, should be good in Jordan Hare. You go to Cal, you're playing at California. It's a nine thirty kickoff time, guys. Nine thirty at night, by the way. Central. Just a little. For our friends
2: in Georgia, good luck.
1: Yeah,
3: (laughs) you're gonna need it. (laughs) You are gonna need it. And then Sanford uh, is a night game at Jordan Hare Stadium. I may be the only person that doesn't have that big of a problem with Cal being so late because I'm just awake at all times of the day. I mean, it doesn't really affect me, but it kind of... Lance is already watching Pac-12 after dark, man. Dude, we're already there. Why not just make it an Auburn game? That's right. Make it as chaotic. Do you guys remember a couple years ago when Mississippi State went to Arizona? Yes, and there were like some complications as to like, well, it's like it's so hot they have to play it so late or whatever. Yes. And Mississippi State ended up blowing them out of the water in that game. I really do hope that we see something very similar in in, uh, in California. I well, think
2: we will. You you had something like that, a team that had not uh, prepared for it last year. San Diego State unveiled their new stadium. Mm. It has zero yep. shade. And they about killed their fan base on their opener. And
1: it was really bad.
3: Oh, man. Yeah. Well... That's one way to do it. That's one way to kill a potential Pac-12 contract.
1: There you go. That's absolutely right. Well, Auburn opening up with UMass on September 2nd. That will be at 2.30 on ESPN. Auburn then travels across the entire country playing at California September 9th, Saturday night, 9.30 Central start time uh, on ESPN. And then you come home for homecoming versus Sanford. That will be 6 o'clock. So the first true night game inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium before you go on the road to College Station, Texas. So looking at those three three games we've talked about it a little bit sure you go on the road at Cal but you're not going to play UCLA or Oregon you're playing Cal and so given what Auburn has done and Lance we'll get your thoughts on this in just a second given what Auburn has done to the roster given the coaches that are here and the improvements that they've made There is absolutely no reason Auburn should not be 3-0 before they go to College Station.
3: Absolutely. I think that Cal could give them a little bit of a problem, and they did have a really solid transfer portal cycle, and they brought in a quarterback that could be interesting for them, but because of how... I don't know if anemic is the right word. Their offense has been under Justin Wilcox. I don't know if they're going to be able to do anything against an SEC school. Auburn is still an SEC school with SEC talent, with solid players in the transfer pool. It should be a win for Auburn.
2: You have to be a real college football, like, sicko, get into the weeds. But uh... – I'm fascinated about who the offensive coordinator is going to be at Cal this year. <laughs> Good old Jake Spavadol, who what? collapsed on his face at wow. Texas State because he went with the bold strategy in the state of Texas of, let's not sign Texas high school players. Let's, mm. let's sign all
3: transfers. Bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it works out.
1: <laughs> Let's see if that's
3: the, that's the Lane Kiffin strategy what right now. What the heck is Jake Spavadol doing in the—what the—, what the? He's in the Pac 12. In the Pac 12. That's all. His brother is Cal. I want to say his
2: brother is still on staff at Texas State, which is weird, too. He was an OC
3: in 2016 at Cal. Wait, okay. Was that? Well,
2: what year was? Well,
1: how about that? I'm well, about to pull these numbers <laughs> up. <laughs> well, while you pull those numbers up, Lance, of course, you are a contributor for Auburn Daily, along with your hosting of Lock Kentucky. So we have not had the <laughs> chance to talk on the air, anyway, about what Auburn has done. Auburn football coming into the summer. Tomorrow being June first. With um, well, we're less than a hundred days away from the football season. It's been a wild turnaround under Hugh Freeze through high school recruiting, transfer portal, mindset change, the fan base is turning positive, it seems like, Uh, from our perspective. What's
3: your take on what Auburn football is now compared to where they were this time last year? Again, it's similar to Kentucky, and I think that Auburn – from this time last year it's night and day uh, and I, I think that a lot of people would agree with that just based on the transfer portal hall alone but the vibes man I don't want to say they're immaculate but I mean they're close to it right now' they're pretty it's, close' it's the way that that auburn football is going it's a very different roster I think it's going to be obviously a very different starting 22 especially on the offensive side of the ball there's no reason why you shouldn't be excited about Auburn football heading into this season um outside of maybe potential concern uh for this offense just not taking off and even then if even if it doesn't take off look it's year one like you're not expecting Auburn to go out and do anything crazy out of the gate until Hugh Freeze came in and proved that he can in fact get a lot of different guys through the transfer portal there weren't a lot of expectations about Auburn heading into this season a lot of people were saying oh this team may not make a bowl again for the second year in a row some people are still saying that but that was kind of like the majority consensus of what I saw online It was like seven and five would be really great for Auburn six and six maybe five and seven is probably where they're gonna lie guys this team can win nine games this year if if things all all go together and if things really do fall together you can beat Bama and make it 10 so there's a lot to be excited about with Auburn I'm high on I'm just I'm just high on Auburn consistently whenever they bring things in are
1: you high on Kentucky and Auburn or just low on Bama because you said in the first hour that Kentucky could beat Bama and Lexington and you're saying Auburn could beat Bama as well Well, so are you high on
3: these two programs or are you just low on Alabama the more I talk it may become apparent that I'm just high period but (laughs) uh yeah I think Bama I'm not low on Bama. I wrote an article about this about three, four weeks ago about is Alabama actually falling off just based on a couple of different metrics. I put together a graph that was really fun to do just compared to like what Alabama's margin of victory is over the past like decade. And I then looked at like what it's been on the road and it's consistently over the past three years like gone down more and more to where it's like embarrassing compared to like I think 2014 is the lowest it's been but it's it, it was bad last season and Bama still has all the talent on the, of the uh, on their roster they've got all these different five stars that they've collected through the past three classes I believe their senior class this year would have been the 2019 2018 class and I went and looked only three of those guys are still on this roster that was yeah. the lowest recruiting class that they've had I think under Nick Saban They got those guys out, so the 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 talent is or the talent is still there, Mm -hmm. absolutely still there.
2: Well, yeah, they they just signed the greatest class of all time, and it's It's a quarterback. Twenty four of the twenty five or first twenty five were were early enrollees too, Mm -hmm. which is insane.
3: It's the quarterback position for Bama that I think gives a lot of people pause. But is there genuine concern? because of how Bama may run their system this year as opposed to years past. Oh, I think that's the question we have. I
2: think to we're going to see him go back to the Nick Saban basics and we're mm. going to see him try to run the football 40 times a game because the receivers will be better in Tuscaloosa, but they didn't have that game record, that game changer. They've basically had at least one first-round receiver in the starting lineup on the team every single year from Julio Jones to
1: last year they also don't have a Heisman winning quarterback on the roster this year yeah, I truly believe that and if I'm proven wrong You're in right. December then Tyler cool Buckner. but yeah Tyler
3: Buckner exactly he was brought in to give more competition to that room <laughs> yeah, I th- I think they plan on him being the starter
2: I think they do too
3: if they if that man is the starter
2: I think Ty Simpson there's a real shot by the time we get to week one Ty Simpson's run at third in
3: that so battle. So this is what I, I said so, uh, to somebody recently, and I'm probably wrong on this. Is this like a 2015 situation where Bama realizes at the beginning of the year, hey, we really don't have a quarterback? And so they swap through a couple different guys, and then they just decide, you know what, Derrick Henry exists. There Is, is there a Derrick Henry on this roster? Because I don't think there is. And that was the fallback in 2015, and I don't know if Bama's going to have much to fall back on this season if the quarterback situation goes as poorly as –
1: it may, which is crazy because of the success they've had at getting the highest of level quarterbacks mm-hmm. when it comes to Jalen Hurts, Tua, and and Bryce Young, and so with with a Tyler Buckner. Lance, how much better does it make you feel, A, that Auburn didn't get Tyler Buckner? Nothing against him. I just don't think he's a high level SEC
3: playing quarterback compared to Peyton Thorne, which Auburn went and got from Michigan State. It was a much better scheme fit, I think, for what they wanted. I wanted Peyton Thorne over Casey Thompson. Uh, that was that was my that was my sticking point just because of the accuracy downfield. Not to say Thompson was a bad quarterback, co- I would have taken either of them. Auburn would have taken any of, um, <laughs> any of them. Any of them. Any of them. Um, but Casey Thompson's good quarterback. I wanted Peyton Thorne, and I'm excited that we got Thorne. Tyler Buckner, again, not saying he's a bad quarterback, certainly an athlete. I just don't know if he's going to be able to piece it all together, especially for a team like Alabama that's – even even if they don't throw the ball as much as they have in years past, they're going to expect him to do certain things within that system, and I don't know if he's going to be able to execute consistently.
2: I mean, across two seasons, across 13 games – Buckner has 118 pass attempts. You compare that to Peyton Thorne, Peyton Thorne in his career across three years has 861 pass attempts. It's I mean, it's not comparable in terms of experience, right. production, every aspect to me. And I think the ceiling's higher with Peyton mm-hmm. Thorne, and he's going to have a better offensive line. He's going to have a better running back this this year than he did last year. Uh, he's going to have better running back room, because I think that Auburn running back room is going to be sneaky, solid, sneaky, really good because you've got so many unique skill sets and everybody brings kind of something different to the table uh, with obviously Jarquez leading the way uh, out of that that room. Um, for me, it's, it's what can you do at receiver mm-hmm. if you can supply a couple capable, solid SEC caliber options for Peyton Thorne to throw to. I think you're gonna see Peyton Thorne I'll I'll say it. I think he's gonna put up better numbers than than whoever the unnamed Alabama quarterback is.
3: I completely agree. I, I could see that. It's going to be the first time since twenty seventeen that Auburn statistically has a better quarterback playing. Uh, compared to Alabama. Do y'all want to very quickly play the schedule game with Bama? And not saying predict wins and losses. I just want to talk about some of these games that they've got coming up. With. Let's do it when we come I've back. I like that. I like I've that got idea. a really hot take in this game, so I'm, I'm excited. Well,
1: let's do that when we come back. We'll look at schedules for Auburn and Alabama. That'll be coming up. We'll wrap up our conversation with the one and only Lance Dahl. Then coming up at 3.30, speaking of Alabama, Austin Hannon of Bama Central will join us on the phone lines. We'll talk to him a little Alabama football and Alabama baseball as they get ready to host their regional in Tuscaloosa 334-321-1390 more auburn football conversations when we come back
0: you are on the line on espn 1067 online at espnau.com or on the espn 1067 app
1: Back inside the studio here at ESPN 106.7. This is the Wednesday edition of On the Line. I'm Jacob Cohen. He's Carter Bird. We're joined by Lance Dahl for just a few more minutes. Reminder that Austin Hannon of Bama Central will join us at 3.30 on the phone lines uh, to talk some Alabama athletics. And so be sure to stay tuned for that. He'll tell us about what that team should expect in a very tough regional. Uh, we, I think we can agree Alabama probably got the short end of the stick in their regional, but it is what it is. We'll talk to Austin Hannon about that in just a few minutes. We we'll want to play the schedule game as Lance Dahl likes to call it comparing Auburn and Alabama looking at schedules for the upcoming football season since we have some start times for uh, the first few games Auburn got their start times for Alabama you have a night game to start in Tuscaloosa against Middle Tennessee then you have the night game against Texas which that's unfair because they played a noon game at Texas last year, but that's okay. Then you go at Tampa uh, or in Tampa to play South South Florida, two thirty Central Time kick. So Lance, take it away, man. You do you do whatever you want to do in this.
3: Yeah, I, I'm. If y'all want to, we can breeze through wins and losses. I'm not gonna do. I'm not gonna do that here. I just want to talk about some of these games that could be really interesting for Bama if they don't have a quarterback situation figured out. Also. I, I'm try- you're I'm
2: gonna say one that I'm gonna hate because of my stance on that team
3: all right well <laughs> yep. te- Texas I think is going to be a very interesting game for for Alabama early on in the year and they're, I rem- they're gonna straight up lose it Bama is straight wow. up they're
2: uh, straight up losing that game
3: whenever you say straight up I don't want you to you don't have to put a point um, uh margin on this z- Texas
2: will be what? At least a seven-point dog in that game. Probably, I think it's seven or eight. I think it's Texas, double digits right now. Texas is really good
3: in that game. Wait, no, 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 no. It's not. I remember hearing somebody talk about this, but they're going to win that game outright. Yes. Okay, and then they go to USF the next week with Tyler Buckner at quarterback. Whoop whoop. Is that going to be a fun game? No. No. I mean, <laughs> USF was a joke last year. Besides that one random
2: game where they like had Florida on the ropes the entire way and Funny. were. A bad snap away from beating him?
3: Brian Batty, big in that yeah, game. Yeah, there you go. Um, do you, I remember making the 2020 or 2015 comp earlier? They played Ole Miss like week three or two at home that season. They get Ole Miss at home week four uh, this year. Is that a competitive game? No. You think Lane no. Kiffin's going to lose that one big? Yes. Ole Miss is going four and eight. Oh, okay. Well, I need to come back on this show more often <laughs> to talk about.
2: <laughs> Ole Miss is going four and eight because they're losing at two lane in week two.
3: Ooh, that's fun. I like that. So moving along, uh, moving along <laughs> past the four and eight, uh, which I, it's it's very possible, especially if quarterback doesn't get figured out. But they've got like four of them. Uh, Mississippi State on the road. That's not a game I see State, Bama dropping. State's not State's not going to be good. Um, I did, you just don't know what they're gonna be. So you just hating on Mississippi. That's what uh, that's what's going on. Over no, here. Carter just no, hates no, on okay. every well, SEC
2: We're we're going from the from the air raid and we're. Gonna
3: try to take Will Rod- Will Rogers and his noodle arm and try to run a pro style s- system with it. it. Ain't gonna work. Yeah, San Diego stayed over. Now, in- it's so weird the different offensive dynamics that have been pulled into Starkville over the mm-hmm. past half decade. It's just weird. Joe Moorhead too. Like, what are, what are we doing there? Right. Uh, Texas A and M on the road. Ask Carter his thoughts on this. Texas, what are your thoughts on Texas A&M Carter? Texas A&M is going to be a
2: 6 and 6 team but it's going to find a way to beat Alabama in that S- game because they find a way no matter how bad they are to have Alabama on the road.
3: So we've got two losses on the schedule for some reason no, Ar- I mean
2: I'm being ambitious. I they I think they will win at AM.
3: Okay. Arkansas is homecoming. When I don't know trap why trap
2: game of the year on Alabama's schedule. I like that.
3: Look at where it. Look at where it sets up because it's in between at Texas A&M and then at home against Tennessee, which may be one of the, if not the most watched college football game of the season. If, which, especially if Tennessee's is if Tennessee. If hasn't Tennessee up, could be good. Yeah, that that's going to be a fun one. Do you see Joe Milton giving Alabama a run for their money?
2: Yeah, Absolutely. I mean he's he's a better quarterback than than everything they have on on their roster at Alabama.
1: And he's the style of quarterback that gives Nick Saban fits. Well yeah.
2: he's he's the style of quarterback that's a perfect fit for the offense he runs at Tennessee, which is, hey, I've got the biggest cannon in the country. I can throw this thing really daggum far. Yep. Go is have a fast guy run a straight line.
3: So yep. after they lose the Tennessee game, Nick Saban will have a week to cry about it because you got the bye week coming up after that. Then you have at or you have LSU at home. The November slate for Bama is so interesting. You've got LSU at home, and Jacob just put up the L. You think Bama's going to take an yep. L in that game? I so do. We, we have potentially one, two, three losses on the schedule with well, Arkansas pending. Yeah, and you've well, got well
2: potentially four because we we talked about A and M too.
3: Oh, that's right. Potentially. So, you, so potentially, so you've got. Uh Bama not making a bowl and that's the online prediction. <laughs> Congratulations. Guys. Bama's really going 5 it. and 7. No, hey, no, no, no. <laughs> I,
2: I I have a crazy pr- prediction out here that is LSU is going to thread the needle, go 9 and 3 and win the West because they're going to lose to FSU in week 1. <laughs> that do, well, actually
3: that that I can see that happening. I, I like Carter's Carter's very high on Florida State. D- do we see Bama losing to Kentucky or Auburn? I love you Lance, but no, they will not lose to
1: Kentucky. They, they, love, they could lose at Auburn. I mean, being in Jordan-Hare, if Auburn can find a way to, and I think they're going to be competitive in just about every game outside of Georgia, and I think they'll still be competitive enough in that game, I think Auburn, and I, I'm not confident enough as we're at the end of May, early June, to sit here and say Auburn's going to beat Alabama in late November, but I think Auburn will give them a game. I think they've finally gotten at least enough dudes on the roster and a good coach that can make them compete. Being at home, you just never know. And with it being the Iron Bowl, I'm if, not. I'm not ready to say a win or loss yet. Though. If Auburn
2: has the season that it can have, that atmosphere is going to be awesome. I think Alabama's got a 35 40 percent chance to drop one of that at Kentucky at Auburn game.
3: So you're saying that there is a not decent, but there's like I think a they're going s- nine and three. That Bama goes nine and three. Okay. Well, just based off the schedule game that we just played here, their floor is five and seven. <laughs> their floor is five and seven based on uh, what we just ran through because Texas, Texas A and M, Arkansas, Tennessee, LSU, Auburn, and then if Kentucky, you said there's a 40 percent chance they drop one of those games.
2: Lance, I cannot wait to do the schedule game with you for Ole Miss because they're <laughs> going to be, gonna be so two and four going to their bye <laughs> and it's going to be so beautiful.
3: Yeah. Do you really not like Ole Miss? Is there like they
4: are a-
2: they are legitimately going to be bad. And like their their defense is not existent. You can you congrats. You landed three transfer quarter. You two transfer quarterbacks, and you already had Jackson Dart, who's a transfer quarterback. Only one can be on the field at a time. So you've got all that. You're going to lose at Tulane in week two. You're getting smoked by Alabama on the road in week four. You're losing to LSU in week in week five. And then at that point in time, you're beaten down. When Arkansas comes in and beats you,
1: yeah, it's Jover boys, and he truly it believes up. it, and I kind of do too. <laughs> I kind of do too, and so Look, we'll
3: see, man. They
2: masqueraded as a playoff team for seven weeks last last year, and I blame Kentucky for part of that.
3: But, <laughs> the, but hey, that's true though. He's right. But <laughs>
2: that Ole Miss team last year was bad. They just played the easiest schedule I've ever seen through the first seven games Dang of
3: up. of their season we need to do this
1: more often we do we do need to do this more often unfortunately we're out of time with Lance Dahl because Austin Hannon joining us on the phone lines of Bama Central when we come back Lance it's always good to have you in the studio you got to come by more often man absolutely dude (laughs) Lance Dahl host of Locked On Kentucky and contributor for Auburn Daily thank you so much for your time sir we'll talk to Austin Hannon of Bama Central when we come back
0: Jacob Goins and Carter Byrd on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader.
1: 30 more minutes here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird, with you on the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Well, we appreciate Lance Dahl joining us in the studio for the first hour and a half. Uh, we convinced him to stay around. Or he asked, we convinced him. It was kind of a, a mutual agreement. But he hung around and, and uh, talked some more Auburn football with us in the first 30 minutes of hour number two. But now it's time to get to... Get to Austin Hannon, who joins us every Wednesday at 3.30. Austin Hannon of Bama Central. Happy Wednesday, man. Hope you're doing well.
5: Yeah, we're back at it. Another Wednesday. It seems like it comes around pretty quickly. The the weeks are going by fast.
1: That's right. Well, lots going on in Tuscaloosa. Of course, Alabama baseball. That's where we'll start. They are one of the eight sec teams to be hosting a regional in the ncaa tournament they have uh what seems to be a pretty tough draw for alabama and maybe fans aren't so happy with what the draw they got did alabama get the short end of the stick when it came to hosting a regional
5: yeah i mean i I try to you know obviously as a reporter you go into everything as objective as possible Mm -hmm. and um you know (laughs) I think anybody, and I think national writers said the same thing, that you know they did end up getting the short end of the stick. Nobody really expected uh, the 16th seed to be where they got called, and um, it is important because it's like, yeah, you're hosting and everything like that, but if you make the Supers, you've got the number one team in the country next. So um, it it was definitely a a bad draw. Um, I don't think by any means anybody's disappointed within the program. Um, Obviously, they're hosting for the first time in, in 17 years, so I think at that point, they'll take what you can get, but um yeah i was expecting a 10 11 12 range um i'm sure the auburn fans listening won't be too happy i expected them to be seated higher than auburn uh, just based off of head to head and and the way that were were kind of playing i mean yeah you look at the record you look at rpi obviously head to head still high on that head to head you you alabama wins three of four including the one in hoover that the committee had just finished watching days prior so um yeah it, it is what it is I, it, it's i, I kind of made a little bit of a subtle joke jab at at Cohen saying, "Hey, I mean, it, it should be that surprising, right? He was the—he's the chairman, and he's the <laughs> director at Auburn, and certainly uh, he doesn't want to, you know, put Alabama ahead of his Tigers." So, obviously, joking and and know that he was definitely not involved in any way in that. But um, yeah, it, it is what it is. You know, they still got the host; they're still doing something they haven't done in nearly two decades. So. I don't think anybody's that disappointed.
2: What did you see out of Alabama uh, over the the SEC tournament? You had Pinckney obviously had the huge game in their first game out there uh, in Hoover, and uh, they obviously beat Auburn. I, st- I think Auburn is yet to beat Alabama in Hoover. 0-5. Oh yeah, and that's a crazy <laughs> stat in and of itself. But what did you see out of this Alabama team as they strung together a couple wins to a- apparently – Strengthened that case just enough to hang on to a 16 seat
5: yeah and I was talking about that with people um the day it happened like I, I I was I was feeding information all week in Hoover that it was guaranteed and they were going to be a 10 11 12 and uh that win over Kentucky probably did it and then the win over Auburn definitely did it and now looking back if they had not beat Auburn would they have even hosted I mean it, it are we at, were we at that point where they were that much on the border, which it, it is surprising to me. I didn't think that they would get the 16, but uh, it does, you know, show that that Auburn win might've been the one that got the bid. So um, it makes it that much bigger. And obviously everybody, when, when we're talking about projections and everything like that, nothing's for certain, obviously. So um, just because people are saying that Alabama was, you know, safe and, and this and that, and they didn't have to beat Auburn and this and that. I mean, it, we didn't know, but the players didn't know that. The coaches didn't know that. And, that's why every game of the baseball season is so important. You don't get 162 like you do in the MLB. Mm-hmm. Um, you get about 50, 60, and you know that's that's it's kind of like the COVID season from 2020. That's all you get. That's a short season, and you got to make each game worth it and worthwhile, and, and go out there and, and play a strong nine innings every time.
1: And Austin, when you look at this regional for Alabama being the 16th seed uh we know that if they win and if wake forest wins that's where alabama will be heading but before they can think about that they've got some tough teams in their regional what is your take on the teams that alabama will be facing at tuscaloosa this weekend
5: yeah when you get the 16th overall seed usually you're going to have the toughest bracket and i'm not going to say that it's not but I, i think there's manageable i think it's a manageable bracket um Especially with the way they're playing, I think Boston College is a little upset um, out of the ACC. I think they would have liked to host. I think they thought they were in a position to potentially host, um, and obviously they were very, very close being being the number two seed in the sixteen bracket. So um, they're going to have a lot of they're going to have a chip on their shoulder coming in, and uh, they've been playing really good baseball all year. I've kept up with Boston College a little bit. I am a Red Sox fan, so that's kind of hey. How I, about w- that? W- 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 one way or another, I- I've seen a little bit of Boston College stuff in my feed, and, and they got a good team. They got a good lineup. But then you got Troy, who kind of handled twice this year in, in the midweek. And obviously, Nickel State's not some kind of you know groundbreaking program. So I don't think they're in too bad of a position, especially with the home field advantage. I think it's a sellout already, which will help. Uh, but I, I, would, I am a little nervous about this Boston College team. I think they could definitely make some noise, not only uh, this week, but in the Supers as well. For
2: uh what it's worth, Jacob is also a uh a Sox fan as well. Oh, that's so right. Y'all y'all have that in common. Go Sox, man. Uh, that's, great. But that's great. Go Sox. We we talked about 8 of the 16 hosts are SEC teams. I think that's the first time that's ever happened and when you look back at the last 13 NCAA tournaments, the SEC has won 8 of those 13 <laughs> national championships. They've been the runner-up in seven of them, I believe, and uh, two of the ones that they were not were uh, Texas and Oklahoma. What does it say about the SEC and how dominant it is as a baseball conference to see this many teams in uh, hosting a regional and then also the track record of recent national champions from this league? Yeah, I mean, it's kind
5: of been the narrative of the sport. I mean, ever since... I've been alive at least. It's been the SEC and then a couple other programs that kind of are in the mix always. I mean, you got the SEC and then you got teams like UCLA and um, Oregon State's had some good teams and North Carolina's had some good teams and uh, there, there's been a couple you know from outside the league that have you know Virginia's been one of those teams too that's kind of snuck in there and gotten into Omaha a few times. But other than that, I mean, it's it's an SEC sport and uh, they were talking about it on the selection show on Monday, kind of how the RPI might be broken, this and that, but at the same time, like the SEC has dominated the sport. We shouldn't be surprised that there's eight hosts from the conference. I mean, it's an all-time record um, and, and it's, it's very unheard of that half the teams that are hosting regionals this weekend are are from the same conference, but I don't think there's, and I I think South Carolina and Kentucky were the interesting ones uh, that, that some people might've been upset about because South Carolina lost five and six series down the stretch. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Kentucky was on a similar downward trend and, um, whereas I don't think people, I think people were, had accepted the fact that all and Auburn and then, of course, the top four were going to make it, but then South Carolina getting the host of Kentucky, getting the host, and that makes it eight uh, set it to people, Then Boston College is one of those people that was kind of like, hey, like, I mean, we we, we we felt like we did enough in our conference because the ACC's got a great league. Um, you, you see a lot of ACC teams will be advancing this, this week and next week, and um, yeah, it, it sets a lot about the conference though and where it's at, and uh, it just seems like it's always been the dominant force in college baseball, but it seems like it's now more than ever.
1: Speaking with Austin Hannon, who joins us every Wednesday at 3.30 right here on On the Line from Bama Central. This week going on the SEC spring meetings and what seems to be the biggest topic of conversation and it doesn't seem like it's going to get resolved is... What is the future of SEC football scheduling? Of course, with Oklahoma and Texas coming to the conference. Austin, I want to get your thoughts on this, your personal opinions, and then what Alabama fans and what Nick Saban would want when it comes to an eight-game SEC schedule or a nine-game SEC schedule.
5: Yeah, I've forgotten who said it yesterday, uh, but I kind of agree that it. it's just like, to me, it's not. it's kind of a pointless debate. I don't think... Like, people make such a big deal out of the eight or nine thing, but does it, like, does it really matter, like, especially with the playoff expanding and you're going to be able to afford more losses? Is putting a ninth no. SEC game on your schedule really, like, that big of a deal, especially if it's just, you know, just a, a ninth team. Let's say you get Vanderbilt as your ninth team every other year, or, you know, whatever it is. Does it really matter, you know, in terms of playing another SEC team versus, you know, maybe a neutral site non-conference game? I, mean, I just don't think it's that big of a debate, but... I realize why it's a big deal because it is groundbreaking and it's something that we've been talking about for a long time. And some coaches are against it. Some coaches are for it. Uh, obviously I, I think the conference is for it because you'd re, you're going to make more money, right. From a, from an SEC, SEC matchup against versus, you know, an Alabama versus coastal Carolina football game the week before the iron bowl. So, you know, it makes sense why they want to do this. Um, it's definitely more demanding of the athletes and the coaches, but um yeah, you know, I think all around it's good for college football. I mean, do do we does anybody really enjoy the cupcake week before the Iron Bowl? I, I don't think anybody does. I don't think people like watching Auburn play Stanford and Alabama play, you know, whoever it is, Western Carolina, Chattanooga, whatever it is, mm-hmm. uh, on the second to last week in November. So I'm for the nine games, uh, especially now that you know they, the playoffs going to twelve. Um, if you're a solid SEC team and you lose two, maybe three games, you still got a chance. Uh, to make that 12-team field. So at the end of the day, it's not going to be a, that, as big of a deal as people think. Now, if they weren't expanding the playoff, I think it would be a bigger deal just because
1: Oh yeah, losses for sure. are
5: so hard. I mean, losses are big right now, right? I mean, they obviously they were bigger during the BCS when you lose one and you're kind of done. But even now, I mean, if you lose more than one game, we've seen the playoff committee over and over again, no matter who the team is, no matter what their resume is. I mean, we saw Auburn a few years, whatever year that was when they – they, uh, Jared Stidham year when they beat Alabama in the Iron Bowl, they go to Atlanta pound on Georgia, uh, but they had two losses and you know the committee said, hey, yeah, it's not you know, two losses is two losses, uh, but now that we're expanding that field three times the size of what it is now, um, two losses is going to get you in still if you're in Alabama Robert.
2: Well, I mean, I, I I know that losses may not matter as much in the new playoff format, but I mean one of the most vocal uh, people talking about how the the nine team. Uh, s- schedule the nine game schedule could kind of get stacked in an unfair manner is Nick Saban and Auburn fans are absolutely aware of it because a nine game regular season schedule with three permanent opponents means Auburn signing up for Georgia and Alabama every single year so I mean I I, I get what you're saying it's just I don't think every schedule is going to be created equal as much as they may try and I do think that it could hold some uh, SEC teams out of the playoff. But moving to basketball a little bit, I mean, there's been news all around the SEC. Obviously, we had the she news today. Uh, Jani Broom coming back to Auburn. There's been some buzz about Javon Quinterly. Is th- is there any reason for Alabama fans to be concerned about him potentially hopping in the portal?
5: Well, I, I should you know, this might have been late news to you. Um, but as of this morning, he is returning to Tuscaloosa. Okay, and I, 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 guess, that. I guess, guess that. I guess you guys <laughs> missed that. Um, but yeah, he, he did decide. I think it was around noon today um, that he would be returning to Alabama. So there you go. I just broke some news here on 106.7.
1: There you go. Appreciate that. Well, how <laughs> does that? How does that impact this Alabama team moving forward?
5: Oh, it's great. I mean, say what you will about him. Um, you know, the jokes about he's got to be twenty-five years old and. Um, you know, get a job and all the comments and he's going to lose his parents life insurance, I mean, health insurance uh, in a year and all this and that. But I mean, th- the results on the floor, I think, speak for themselves. He was a sixth man of the year last year, um, was a really big cog off the bench for that team that was the number one overall seed. Um, and he just brings a lot of energy. And, and I think he's, mm-hmm. a, he's always been a huge part of this team. And um, he's had his struggles. He obviously had the injury and he's had the turnover problems and, uh, but he really kicked it into gear at the back half of last year, and uh, I think having a back fully healthy and, and not having to go through that rehab process, you know, the first half of the year is going to help a lot. And, um, you know, it, it is what it is. This is the new age of college sports. I mm-hmm. mean, you, he, he tested his draft waters. They say, hey, probably not. At this point in his career, and he's got to be 25 years old. The NBA is probably not going to be an option. Um, and so you're kind of sitting there thinking – all right, the workouts didn't work out. Do I want to go overseas and leave all my family and friends, and um, you know, make however much money, or do I want to go back to Alabama when where I know people and I know the coaches, and I'm going to get my NIL money, and I'm you know, I might compete for a, an SEC or national championship? Like, I'm signing up for another year in college. I I, mean, I think anybody that's now out of college would say the same thing. That yeah, I'd go back to college and make probably double the money that I would overseas. Without, Absolutely, uh, the people the people that I like to be around. So. I'm not surprised at all, and I, th- I think it's great for him. And um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it kind of works together again. And Mark Sears is coming back too, who also started last year. Mm-hmm. So the backcourt's back for Alabama. Um, obviously, you're going to lose. You lost the other three starters: Miller, Clowney, and Bediaco. But um, at least you got two of those guys back.
2: With with Sears and Quinterly coming back, that's obviously some positive news over the past week or so for Alabama basketball but you do lose those big names, like like you mentioned, and you lose a lot of length. How do Alabama fans feel as of today if basketball season were to start tomorrow?
5: Yeah, it's going to be interesting because you got a lot of guys that have never played in the Alabama uniform before, um, and you've got three coaches that are no longer on the staff that had to be replaced. And so this is going to be one of those years, where, which is another reason I think it's important that is coming back for NATO. Um, With all the turnover that's going to happen this year, you know within the coaching staff and then within the guys that were kind of the key players on last year's team to have a guy like Quinterly come back that's been around that can kind of show the young guys the ropes, the, the transfers, how it's done. And um, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, obviously, I don't think you can expect anything like you got this year. Um, I mean, from start to finish, this was the best team in the SEC, and um, that there was a reason that they were the number one overall student in the NCAA tournament. Uh, and, and obviously, they failed to, to reach the Elite Eight again. But, you know, I don't think the expectation could be there of an SEC championship. Again, if it happens, it happens. But it's going to be a league that's going to be really good. I mean, we've seen that Kentucky's recruiting class. They have, you know, two or three of the top players in the country coming in. Um, Arkansas obviously always brings in the transfers. Auburn's bringing back some key guys. So the league is going to be – I just saw Josiah Jordan James is coming out for Tennessee. So uh, there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to be in contention for it, and and it's going to be interesting to see. But, yeah, you're going to have to somehow manage the losses of guys like Miller.
1: Austin Hannon joining us of Bama Central is always with us on Wednesdays at 3.30 right here on On the Line on ESPN 106.7. One more quickly before we let you get out of here. First three game times for Alabama, home versus Middle Tennessee, football that is, home versus Middle Tennessee at 6.30, home versus Texas. We know what that game was last year. Uh, They get the night game inside of Tuscaloosa and Bryant-Denny, and then on the road at South Florida at 2.30. Do you like the game times for those first three games for Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide?
5: Yeah, I mean, that 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 one in Tampa is going to be really hot, that 2.30 or 3.30 kickoff. Down you better in Florida. believe it. Uh, but, yeah, it's going to be an exciting start of the season, especially for a guy like me that gets to travel and, and record the games. And So uh, I got to go to Tampa a couple years ago for the FCC basketball tournament. Great city. Love that city. Uh, so I, I definitely look forward to going back and, and getting to see the Buccaneers NFL stadium while I'm there.
1: And then, of course, with Texas in week two, it'll be one of the biggest games of the year it was last year. We expect yep. that to be the exact same situation this year. Austin Hannon of Bama Central, man, we appreciate you every single week. Uh, we always enjoy talking and, and getting updated on what's going on with Alabama Athletics in Tuscaloosa. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and all your fantastic work.
5: Yep, BamaCentral.com, uh, that's where you're going to find most of it. And then, obviously, uh, on the, the people call the Twitter machine, Austin Hannon side So, uh, that's 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 what I
1: got for you. Appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you next week, all right?
5: All right. See you Wednesday,
1: guys. That is Austin Hannon of Bama Central. Again, he joins us every Wednesday at 3.30 here on On the Line, updating us about the Alabama Crimson Tide. We'll take our final break, come back, and wrap up the Wednesday edition of On the Line.
0: You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502.
1: Got a few more minutes here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Uh, We appreciate Austin Hannon of Bama Central, who joins us every Wednesday at 3.30, updating us on everything going on in Alabama athletics, football, basketball, baseball, so much going on in Tuscaloosa right now, so we appreciate him joining us as always. And of course, Lance Dahl was with us for the first, what, hour and a half of today's show, and so uh, that is, uh, we appreciate him. It's been a long time since we've had him on the show, and so uh, we appreciate Lance joining us, talking about. Kentucky getting us updated on what's going on in Lexington with baseball hosting a regional, uh, football it seems like the optimism is there, basketball maybe not so much with what's going on with the Oscar Sheebway news of today uh, that literally broke in the first segment of the show and so talked a lot of Kentucky, talked a lot of Auburn as well with Lance and of course Poor he is Lance.
2: we ruined his day we right really did
1: that. he may never come back because we not that we were mean to him he just well, we, got horrible news as soon as we came on the air
2: we. Brought the vibes back with the uh, schedule game
1: yeah at the end he loved that he did love that so we may have to do that some more uh, closer to football season especially this summer uh, when it slows down a little bit but if you missed any of our number one any of our number two any of today's show be sure to go and catch up with the podcast commercial free wherever you get your podcast or you can go to espnau.com and you can uh, click on the podcast center and it will be right there so it's been a great show today tomorrow is another great show really excited with regionals coming up this weekend, lots of things going on with the Braves as well. Lindsey Crosby will join us in in studio for the first hour tomorrow. Uh, apparently, he's a pretty popular man, and I would believe it. With Auburn baseball oh, yeah. getting ready to host a regional, uh, he will be joining us in the studio for the first hour tomorrow. We'll talk all things Auburn baseball. Get you ready for the regional this weekend as Auburn is hosting for the second time in two years. Uh, looking forward to that conversation. And then on Thursdays in the second hour, it will be... Uh, Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast. So those two guys definitely have some things to say. That will be on tomorrow's show. Really, really looking forward to it. But again, if you missed any of our conversations with Lance Dahl or with Austin Hannon, just go and catch it with the podcast at ESPNAU.com. But that's it, man. We're out of time here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Stay tuned, though, The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck coming up from 4 to 6 right here on the Auburn Open like a Sports Leader ESPN 106.7. Come back tomorrow, though. 2 to 4 right here on ESPN 106.7. Until then, stay safe. I'll talk to you later.